0: Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time you are tuning in. Welcome to Homesteading and Gardening in the Suburbs. I'm Emma from Misfit Gardening and today I'm talking about starting an orchard. Because there's something about the frost on the ground, the smell of wood burning from a chimney that kind of goes hand in hand with apple picking, pies, hot toddies, and perhaps a cider or two. Uh, Fall is not just the time of year when you can really enjoy the bounty of the land and the harvests that have been gathered, but also a great time to plan. When it comes to an orchard, buying bare root fruit trees is definitely the most economical. It is definitely cheaper than buying a potted plant. And the time when bare root fruit trees become available is winter. So having um, an understanding of what it is that you're going to be growing and being able to get your order in early definitely helps in you being able to get what it is that you want because bare root fruit trees tend to sell out very quickly. But the first thing to do when you're starting an orchard in your yard is to think and plan for it. When it comes to an orchard and fruit growing generally, really resisting the urge to be hasty and planting trees haphazardly in your garden is ultimately going to reward you repeatedly in the long run. Orchards are very much a slow start is better than a poor start kind of enterprise when it comes to growing your own food. So let's talk a little bit about the right fruit because it's so much better to work with your climber and try to grow plants that already thrive there. Right, there's nothing more frustrating um, than trying to grow fruit trees of something that will not work in your climate. Right, so let's take talk through an example. Peaches grew brilliantly for me in Utah. We had laundry baskets full of softball-sized sweet peaches. They were huge. They were delicious. Um, I was giving away laundry baskets full of peaches because we had more than we could possibly deal with. Um, you know, I can them we ate them fresh we froze some there was just there was so many but I'm not going to be trying to grow them here in Maine unless I can get them on a south facing spot in the yard next to a wall or something that is going to soak up the heat from the sun and then radiate the warmth throughout the night right peaches are definitely a warm climate crop think think like almonds or pecans or pecans depending on where you're from um you know it's really not worth the time or the money for me to try and grow these warm weather crops in a short season in Maine however just doing a little exploration around the local area, going on nature hikes and things and just exploring the land that we have. You know, we've got walnuts, butternuts, chestnuts, apples and pears growing abundantly, right? That's a lot of fruit and nuts to just kind of think about normally. I've not seen a lot of plums yet um, and that's a little disappointing because I love plums. Um, Cherries, cherries were always a a short season thing when I lived in the UK and you really had to get them before the birds did and I grew cherries out in Utah and the birds got them every single time so I've yet to have a successful cherry crop so I'm not going to tell you how to grow cherries in this episode but I'll be honest right I'm now on the hunt for some really great cider apple trees and a Bramley apple tree right I've not had a proper apple pie in years and my granny always made hers with Bramley apples. So there's a definite nostalgia driving a purchase decision there. Um, but you know there's a lot of favourite old apple varieties from England that I really miss. Things like Cox's Orange Pippin's, Russet's, uh, Lord Lamborns, Discovery and of course the Ashmead's Kernel. Like these were varieties that I very much kind of ate a lot of when I was younger and I grew up with. Um, here in the US there's not a lot of variety. Um, Um, when it comes to apple growing and Granny Smiths are a uh, cooking apple here but they're an eating apple in the UK like cooking apples are very acidic and quite tart and they're more often used in cider making here in um, the US so I definitely want to kind of explore some of these old heritage varieties that are now becoming available also the same with pears. Like a perfect pear ripened on the tree is pretty hard to beat in my book and I grew up with a wonderful conference pear tree in the backyard and I love to eat the pears and you know a lot more exploration into the nurseries around here as well as local orchards is definitely needed to try and find local or you know just northeastern varieties of pears that are potentially going to thrive in my yard. So when it comes to setting up an orchard or growing fruit in your backyard do some research into the fruits that grow well in your area and start with making a list of of those you know fruits that are going to be growing well like do brambles or blackberries grow well do blueberries grow well you know is it apples pears or is it more cherries and nectarines and peaches right make a list of things that grow well and you know maybe jot down some varieties if you're kind of looking through catalogs that quite interest you you um and you know we're going to talk next week about um pollination groups so we're going to be digging into that because that becomes important when you're wanting to grow um an orchard especially with plums pears, apples, things that require something to help pollinate. So we're going to dig into that next week. But do some research into things that grow well in your area, start making a list of those, and then you can start to narrow down the varieties that you want to grow based on the space that you have available, and then later on pollination. So let's talk a little bit about rootstocks, because it's the rootstock that determines the size that your tree is going to be when it's fully grown. And you need to choose trees on the right rootstock for the space that you have. So basically your tree variety is one part and it is grafted onto a different rootstock. So if you look very carefully at trees that are growing um, or ones at you know a local nursery or even a big box store you'll kind of see towards the base of the tree there's like this weird kind of bump that happens on the trunk and if you look at a tree that's kind of growing naturally that bump isn't there and it's usually a graft join and that's what typically is done in commercial nurseries. You have rootstocks that are provided from um, certain trees and they have different growing properties. Usually you have dwarf, a semi-dwarfing or a standard rootstock and then those are joined with the variety that you want And uh, it's, you know, pretty people find it pretty complicated to do grafting work and I think a lot of it's just because um it's it's quite abrupt what you're going to be doing because you're basically going to be chopping this seedling off and you're just wanting the roots of this one and then you're going to be slapping on um a top part which is going to be the variety that you want so it's a little bit drastic and um if you've not done them before you know there's going to be times when things are not going to be growing so it can be a little bit frustrating um but it's definitely not something that the novice gardener should shy away from because you are going to be open to a wonderful world of being able to have multiple varieties growing on a tree, different varieties that are going to be able to be, um, you know, grown in your area. And nowadays there's a lot more, um, you know, sharing of Sky On Wood which is what is usually grafted through things like um, seed savers exchange. So there's a lot more varieties that are now becoming available, even of things that people have found kind of out in the wild, um, you know, old varieties or old apple trees and things that have been lost. So there's a lot more um, scope for expansion when it comes to your fruit growing project, even if you're in a small area. So let's talk about the different um, rootstocks. So a dwarf rootstock, is a tree that is going to mature about 8 to 10 feet tall and 8 to 10 feet wide. These are perfect for urban gardens and smaller spaces. Um, This size is usually one that sells out fast or has limited sizes of varieties available. And the reason for this of course is it is a very popular size to be you know, used in urban and smaller spaces. So if you were living in, you know, an urban area or even a suburban area, this dwarf rootstock is very popular because it's gonna mean that you can grow, you know, more than one tree in the space that you have. Now, semi-dwarfing, also known as semi-rigorous rootstocks, they often have more varieties to choose from than the dwarf rootstocks, but these trees grow much bigger. So a semi-dwarfing tree, will typically grow between 12 to 15 feet wide and that's the canopy size and 12 to 15 feet tall so that's getting a bit bigger and the other variety of oh, sorry the other type of rootstock is standard and standard trees have the most variety available and they tend to grow 18 foot or more in height in both canopy width too so your canopy width is going to be you know about the same as your height. So 18 foot plus now, When it comes to growing fruit, this obviously means that you're going to be needing some sort of ladder to be able to get up and harvest a lot of the fruit that's growing, right? That's why dwarfing stocks and semi-dwarfing are a lot more favorable because you can still do the majority of the picking without having to, you know, hoik up a giant ladder. But when you start getting into standard trees, obviously that's going to require more safety equipment and, you know, a ladder. Now, standard peaches and nectarines tend to be 12 to 15 foot tall and about 12 to 15 foot wide. But standard trees are often the only rootstock that's available and this is often seen for things like nut trees so think things like hazel filbert or you know all the nuts like walnuts or chestnuts and often it may not even mention the rootstock in the catalogue and this is kind of common for fruits like pawpaw or persimmon because they're not grafted onto anything it's just the standard um rootstock this you know the plant has been grown from from the seed and it is what it is and that's relatively common for some of these other fruits too now let's talk about the right site because that is pretty important when it comes to planning your orchard when it comes to fruit growing most berries and fruit trees are gonna grow better with lots of sunshine often resulting in bigger and sweeter fruits and this happens because they're getting more sun of course there's always exceptions like the shade loving thimbleberry of the pacific northwest comes to mind that one definitely loves to be in the shade but most of the time your fruits want to be growing in full sun. The area where you place your fruit trees should be well away from a frost pocket. That's where the frost or snow and cold air all lingers. So for me, that's right outside of the back door. My house is on top of a hill and faces south at the front door, so the back door's all in the north. And what happens is the land slopes down to the north and our frost pocket is basically in the shadow that's cast by the house in winter. Um, And this shadow stretches quite far into the yard. Luckily, it doesn't reach too far past the septic tank. And we don't want edibles growing around the sewage system anyway. So that's kind of ideal. But for a smaller property size, um, you might be very limited in where's going to get the most sun. And maybe you're already looking to have your garden growing there with your veggies, rather than having to lose some of that space um, for growing fruits. And we'll talk about that in in a minute but the ideal place for growing an orchard if you're looking at a traditional larger scale orchard um, is actually higher up than the rest of of the yard preferably on a gentle slope and if you check out like old orchards in your area more often than not these old orchards have been growing and producing fruit for you know 50 years plus they're on a gentle slope and they tend to be higher up than everything else that's kind of growing now being high doesn't mean that you need to be on a mountaintop to grow an orchard you know you don't need to be growing them on the roof or anything like that your fruit trees just should be slightly higher um you know comparatively speaking to everything else in your yard and the slope is going to help when it comes to frost or rain basically the cold air and the water are going to move away more quickly to into the lower areas of the land right cold weather can kill your blossoms and ruin a harvest for the year and you know for me in utah it really wasn't uncommon in early spring when the buds were beginning to appear in our fruit trees and that we would be rushing out and covering the trees with a frost blanket for the night because the temperatures were going to be dipping well below as the blossoms were opening and we didn't want to lose the harvest. So you know if you've got a flatland with no slope don't despair because you really can grow fruit trees in most places. You want them somewhere warm where they've got space to grow with plenty of sunshine. You can also get patio varieties that are available that grow on very small dwarfing rootstocks that happily grow in a container. So if you're really sure on space you can grow these patio varieties and have them kind of moving around the garden or just growing on a patio You can also get trained fruit trees that are in different shapes like fans or tiers and low to the ground stepovers and stepovers were very popular in Victorian uh, Europe for that reason you were able to grow more fruit in the space Um, so they basically had them growing low to the ground and they often edged garden beds and you just stepped over them to get into the garden Um, but then they were still flowering and producing fruit which was kind of neat and the Victorians had a very great way of being able to produce more in the space that they had available so victorian market gardens were you know always a a brilliant resource of um, ingenuity when it comes to growing more in the space that was available but really other espaliered and trained shapes are available so you can make use of a a wall or a fence or even strong wire and t-posts to be able to train your fruit trees to grow. Um, When I was in Utah there was a beautiful um, garden that was um, backing by one of the rivers that were there and they had apple trees that were grown, they were trained on screens basically. So they had like these um, kind of little fencing things that came through, and it was just like wire, like tension wire that ran against. Um, a couple of different posts that had been knocked into the ground Um, but it offered like interest in the garden and kind of broke up straight lines because you know you had these kind of screens that were growing the fruit on there and I thought that was always really interesting. So kind of looking you know online there's loads of pictures now for like different ways that people are growing fruit trees in small spaces so you know just because you don't have a large space doesn't mean that you're going to be stuck with maybe growing a couple of containers of strawberries or anything like that no there's so much more available now to be able to grow fruit in a small space but you are going to have to do a little bit of research to find out what varieties are going to be growing and what's available and whether it's going to grow in your um uh, hardiness zone so next week we're going to be talking about narrowing down what you're going to be growing with pollination groups but for now do some research have a look and see what readily grows in your climate and um, what things are available for you to um you know have like i mean the internet's brilliant now isn't it i mean i've order trees from places in the Pacific Northwest. I've ordered them from the Northeast. Um, so there's lots of um, places available that you can um, purchase trees from. And like I said, bare root trees are the most economical way to do it because they're often cheaper. Um, there's just specialized care that you need to do with your trees when they arrive. So um, usually they come with instructions to explain how to care for them. If you haven't quite decided where your final planting site is going to be, But take a look outside and have a look at where in your garden you might be able to grow a fruit tree and what size is it going to get to. Sometimes it's really helpful to kind of get out with um, some string or a bit of rope or something like that. And just kind of, you know, mark out what is it going to be when it gets to its biggest. So if you've got that dwarfing rootstock tree right how big is that going to be and what does that look like in your garden because if it's going to get 10 feet tall at the maximum and 10 feet wide at the maximum how is that going to look in your garden and what does that then do to the space that you have growing so spend a little bit of time playing with that it's much easier to take the time and you know figure these things out by walking around your garden and you know thinking about how that is going to fit how it's going to cast the shade and how it's going to impact your garden than it is to just hastily buy something, plant it and then hope for the best because that's what happened in my last garden the previous owners had put in fruit trees somewhere without really thinking how they were going to mature and what they were going to look like in the space that it was going to take and we had to move the trees over to another area of the garden and they were pretty well established um, and I was re- you know we were very lucky that we managed to save the trees and we didn't lose any when we were moving them now where we are we've got a lot of trees that have succumbed to different fungal issues that are going to spread. So we've had to take down a lot of those trees and we've got a lot that are already rotten and dying because just like any tree they do have a life expectancy and sometimes um, you know as they get older they succumb to different diseases. So take the time, that's the best advice I can give when it comes to planning any fruit is to really take the time and you know carefully plan where is this going to go because that's going to be what rewards you in the long run because you're not going to have to deal with any of these headaches of it well it's going to be casting too much of a shadow and now I'm losing garden space but if you taken the time to think about it and maybe moved it a couple of feet you know over in one direction it would be missing your garden so let me know in the Facebook group are you planning on growing an orchard this year and what is it that you're planning to grow I would love to know just make sure that you fill out all the questions that are there and um, even if it's a no or a yes right just so my team know that you're not um, anything dodgy and you'll be let into the group until next time I hope your garden grows beautifully and I